welcome to the Last Looks podcast, a show where we catch up with talented hairstylists and makeup artists in the film and television industry. We'll pick their super creative brains and find out all the good stuff. Join me, your host, Jamie Lee, in finding out what's what in the hair and makeup departments around the world. And now, a word from our sponsor. Lavish your hair with the rich, natural formulas of Arlene Martin Hair Care. Made with the best ingredients for the health of your hair. Packed with pure de-alpha, vitamin E, organic hemp, and jojoba oils. Free of all parabens and sulfates. The combination of tested, natural ingredients makes this hair care range a safe choice for all natural hair types. Healthy, confident hair is our mission. Shop ArleneMartinHair.com and join the community today. And now, our feature presentation. Today on the Last Looks podcast, I'm speaking with hairstylist Arlene Martin. Arlene has a creative drive and passion that will get you inspired. Coming from a salon-owning, hair show-competing background, Arlene brings all that experience and talent into the film and television industry with her. Pictures up. Last looks. Rolling. And action. Welcome to the Last Looks podcast, Arlene. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course, I appreciate you being here. I would like you to finish this sentence for me, okay? Okay. Once upon a time, there was a girl named Arlene, and when she grew up, she wanted to be... An artist. An artist? Yeah. Any type of artist, or...? Just an artist in every form. I actually know how to play the violin. I paint. I do oil paintings. I do poetry. I sing, and I write as well. And so every form of art, for me was already like kind of ingrained into me and doing hair was a extension of that artistic feel that I had already inside of me. Yeah, absolutely. Did you come from a creative family? Yeah, my mom, she was an artist and my dad was a singer. And oh, so my my yeah, my mom painted a lot and my dad, he traveled around overseas a lot uh doing tours for his band. So yeah. That's very cool. Coming up in that type of environment, they must have been very supportive of any type of artistic venture you kind of set out on. Yes, most definitely. So how, from painting and playing violin, how do you kind of end up deciding that hair is kind of the journey for you? You know, it was kind of like I stumbled upon it. Because um, always as a little child, I was always like interested in Barbies and you know, doing hair on my baby dolls and things of that nature. But it never really dawned on me that I would eventually, you know, become a hair design artist. So it kind of fell into my lap in high school Mm -hmm. where that's kind of where the bug just kind of bit me. And Mm -hmm. I always tell people that it kind of chose me. I didn't really choose it. It just chose me. And it was really like a destiny path for me. You know, how you turn around and you look at your life and kind of see how everything connected to each other. Mm. I really believe that through all of the connections and everything that had transpired in my life, it was like a destiny path for me to be 
in hairstyling and, you know, doing what I'm doing right now. That's awesome. So you did high school and then straight into cosmetology school or? Yeah, that's exactly right. I went straight into cosmetology school after high school because while I was in high school, I was actually doing my friend's hair and they were looking like they were coming out of an actual salon. So (laughs) I started doing hair in high school and everybody wanted me to do their hair. And so being, being that they were looking like they were coming out of a salon, I started charging them, you know, a salon rate or whatever. And, um, so I knew that that was just something that I needed to do because I was already making a little bit of money while I was in high school. So just having not done cosmetology school in the States, how does that work? Is it like full-time school or are you working in a salon part-time or how does, how does it kind of work? It was full-time school for me. Yeah. Uh, we basically went to school every day for about a year and a half um, and, you know, got our hours and things of that nature and learned the basics of doing hair. And then I had to, you know, of course we graduated and then I had to expand on those basics because when you're in when you're in um, cosmetology school you don't learn everything that there is to know about hair you really just are taught the basics of doing hair like the roller sets you know the perms the relaxers and things of that nature and learning the chemicals of it all but Mm -hmm. you really don't get into that artistic uh um you know area and levels of doing hair until you're outside of, of of cosmetology school and you're out there in the industry and taking the classes and learning and, you know, and things of that nature. And for me, I never stopped learning. I wanted, I wanted to always learn everything that there was to know about hair. I wanted to learn how to be a barber. I wanted everything. I wanted to learn everything because I wanted to be in demand. And I didn't want anybody to tell me no for any reason when it came down to doing hair. <laughs> nice. I love it. So out of cosmetology school, what's your first job? My first job was at Great Clips. <laughs> My first job was at Great Clips. And um, I, I bought some little scissors from, uh, you know, shears from mm-hmm. Walmart. And I, there I was cutting hair, just trying to figure everything out. I was just trying to figure, figure everything out and find my way. And um, it's so funny because the owner walked in one day and she saw the scissors that I had or the shears that I had in my hand. And Mm. like 10 minutes later, I was fired. (laughs) Because Because of your scissors? (laughs) Yes. Because the the shears that I had brought, they looked like, they literally looked like some kind of construction scissors that are like a a kindergartner would uh, have in their hands. But really in in reality, those were shears. Those were just the shears that I could, that the only shears that were on the shelf that I could pick up for that day. And so that's what I got. But it was a lesson, you know, in everything I find lessons. And eventually Great Cliffs picked me back up about a year later. And I worked for Great Cliffs for eight years after that. And they didn't want to see me go. They threw me a party and everything. <laughs> they, they were, they did not want to see me leave that company And I had an amazing time with the Great Clips organization and um, they taught me so much. So yeah, that's just a full circle moment. That's hilarious. I I also, (laughs) I'm just like kind of learning, like with your trainer wheels being like the worst scissors ever by the sounds of it. (laughs) If you can learn and do a good haircut with those, then I mean... You know, it's, it's, it's not the tools, yeah. is it? It's, it's the hands. 
<laughs> I know. And and it is so it's just so funny because I was the after you know, after I got fired from there and got rehired back in, I was their fastest cutter. I was in, and, and, you know, cause all about great clips is all about timing. So I was their fastest cutter there and they just absolutely adored me, did not want me to leave at all. And, and that just goes to show to never give up. And, um, when you hear no, there's always a yes around the corner. And mm. sometimes when the door closes, there, it opens back up for you at a later time. So yeah, those were all lessons for me. That's amazing. Um, so just to understand the type of salon, is it like a cutting bar? So it's just like yes. walk-in, haircuts right. all day. Yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Fantastic way to kind of, um, yeah, learn all sorts of different haircuts, hair textures, mm-hmm. styles, everything. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. And so what else have you done in your salon career? In my salon career on the salon side, I opened up my own salon. It was an extension of my home and it had its own section where they would come in and own door and everything. It was like kind of like a detached salon Mm -hmm. um, that was connected to my home. And so I got my clientele up very, very high. And that's how I worked for some years after. And this was even when I was at Great Clips, I still had the salon. Um, at my home. And so we did that for a long time, actually, before I retired from there and went into the the movie industry. Okay. So gone from your own business into film, I'm going to take a stab in the dark here, but I'm guessing that while you're starting off in your film career, you still had your salon open at home? Yes, I did. I still had my <laughs> salon open at home and it was getting so hard because, you yeah. know, being on the, on the set and being in productions and things of that nature, you're on set for like hours and hours, at least 15 hours at the most a day. And so if you're there, you know, that long and then your clients are calling you, wanting you to do their hair on the weekend, it's kind of mm. like you're basically exhausted by that time. And yeah. so it was a real struggle to release my clientele it was very hard for me to tell them goodbye and that I you know I can't do this anymore this is you know I'm going into another area full time so that was kind of hard but they understood everything that was getting ready to transpire yeah exactly and I mean it's good to have that kind of them both going at the same time for a while just while you're finding your footing with the film industry definitely but yeah exhausting I'm oh sure. my god yes yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're like do am I going to have a day off <laughs> right, going to right. happen. exactly exactly <laughs> and so where where did you grow up and work and have your salon so I grew up in Youngstown Ohio as a child growing up to about middle school age and then I moved to North Carolina and did my high school, you know, my middle school and high school years there. And then when I turned 19, I moved to Atlanta. So I've been in Atlanta over 20 years now. Got married and had my kids there as well. So that's where everything really began for me. Once I, you know, turned 19 and hit Atlanta, that's when I went to beauty school. And that's when things just began to climb, you know, upward for me, uh, So yeah, that's basically how it happened. That's awesome. I mean, and pretty amazing because Atlanta has become such a hub for productions to be made and shot there. So that's awesome. You're right time, right place. Right, (laughs) exactly. 
So coming up through working at the cutting bar and all of that type of stuff through your cosmetology training, was there a mentor that you had throughout that time at all? That's a great question. I'm trying to think. I don't. I really don't think that I had like a per se mentor. All I had was my passion, to be honest with you. It mm. was a drive and a passion that was like basically never ending. It was like a, and it's still there. It's, it's just a drive and a passion to want more, to be greater and to um, just strive higher every single day. And it's always been in me for some reason. Um, and I think that's why I continue to excel in a lot of different areas. And it's not just even in film and TV, it's more so I'm, in investing um, outside of film and TV and things of, things of that nature so that whenever I do retire from the film and TV industry, I'm, I'm still okay. I'm beyond okay because I want to be beyond okay. A lot of people say <laughs> they just want to be okay. Yeah. Um, I want to be beyond okay. I'm, I'm, I kind of have that like Oprah Winfrey mentality that, that, you know, the sky is not the limit. We can go beyond the skies. You understand? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Good place to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, does it get exhausting? Of course. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I gotta be, you know, real with myself. I have I have to tell myself these things. You understand what I mean? I have to talk to myself every day. And yes, it gets exhausting because most of the time my, you know, human nature doesn't want to, you know, do some of the things that I know that I'm supposed to do. Mm. Um, I have a lot of affirmations that I have on my wall each and every day, um, everywhere that I go, even when I go to, when I went to Canada and stayed for six months and did my, did a show there, I still had to have those affirmations with me. And so I took those affirmations and I actually put them on the wall there. So everywhere I go, I have to have that motivational influence around me so that I can stay the course and so that I can stay clear headed to make sure that I'm accomplishing everything that I need to accomplish in this time, because we, time is not our friend and we don't have a lot of time here. And the older that I get, the more I know that, you know what I mean? Mm, Seeing your babies grow up. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like that. I can imagine. You just see them grow up fast and you're like, "Uh Oh, (laughs) yeah, that's the ticking clock right there. (laughs) And are they creative? Do you think? Yes, most definitely. My son, he's following in my footsteps. He will be graduating next year with his barber's license because they offer it in high school. And I'm so grateful for that. Oh, so that's he'll cool. Be, yeah, he'll be he'll be working on set soon, you know, so I'm, I'm excited for, you know, everything that's going on with my kids. So, yeah. That's very cool. Now coming up and even with your first, you know, short while in the television industry, has there been anyone that's given you advice that's kind of stuck with you? Yes. Basically, I feel like with every interaction that I have with some people, I feel like there's something to learn from each one, whether good or bad. And a mm. lot of times when I'm interacting with people, I learn, I sit back and I I observe, number one. And what I've learned is don't go into a room full of leaders or a room full of extraordinary people talking. That's one of the things that I've learned the most is, Arlene, be quiet and listen and just observe and absorb. And so that's what I would say to anybody that's coming into the industry is 
and I'm saying this with all respect, you know, to be quiet, absorb and observe and listen and take in whatever it is that you see and learn from the greats of the industry and learn from the people that are more experienced in the industry and just sit back and glean um, kind of like a little baby go, coming into the industry. <laughs> because I've learned that if you start talking a lot and start talking and doing so too much, then you, you, the door is going to close on you very quickly. So when, when, if you're in that door, if you, if that door ever opens, you better be quiet and stay in that door. You know what I mean? Sneak on in. <laughs> yeah, sneak on in, sneak on by. <laughs> uh, be the best sponge you can be. Just yes, soak it yes, all up. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So in the stage of your career that you are at the moment, what attributes do you think you have that have helped you get to this stage? Wow. Um, at the stage that I am right now, which is over 23 years in, um, I would say that the things that I have learned and um, the attributes that I've gained is definitely my willingness to, to lead, but to also learn and follow. I feel like true leaders, they also follow as well. They're not afraid to pick up a broom or they're not afraid to do something that maybe one of the team members is supposed to do. I've learned as a leader that you also have to make sure that you remain cognizant of the fact that you were also in another position, in a lower position before you became this leader. Um, a lot of times I've noticed that when people become leaders, they, they get this kind of haughtiness about themselves and they forget where they came from. And they also, um, they're also condescending to the people that are beneath them or the people that are, you know, a couple levels lower than them that is working for them. And I think that that's really sad. Hmm. I feel like a great leader is a leader that puts their team above themselves. And a great leader sits back behind quietly and lets their team lead. Um, I think that, and, and I study great leaders as well. And I think that's why I have become a great leader. And my desire before I retire is to be one of the greatest leaders in the industry and to go down in history as one of those legacy makers that was a enormously great leader. Um, so that's one of the things that I really, really take seriously when I'm leading a team and when I'm a leader on a set. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, the key word being team and not forgetting that that's what it yes, is, right? Yes, yeah. most definitely. That's awesome. So now that you're in doing more television and film stuff and you've left your salon life behind, what do you find the most enjoyable part about the line of work? The most enjoyable part to me is um, meeting so many amazing people. It's about the experiences for me now because, like I was saying before, I've been doing this for so long and the work aspect is more of a given, you know what I mean? Of course, you're working, you're doing what you love and mm. things of that nature. So that's just a given. But the, the plus the plus to it is the is the enormous amount of love and the people that you meet in in different countries, like in, in different parts of the world and um, the commonality that you share between each other. 
and the things that you have in common with each other more than not, you know what I mean? Mm. Those, those are the things that really make me happy now is just creating experiences and creating wonderful memories with people. Yeah. I think with the amount of time we also spend with these people, it, it becomes a bit of a family each job you're on. doesn't Yes. It? Yes. <laughs> most definitely. Yes. And what would be something that you maybe find the most difficult? Um, let's see. I think the most difficult, hmm, that's a very good question. Um, the most difficult would probably be probably be the time. Because mm. as I was stating before, um, you know, time is time is not our friend. I feel like time time is ticking away very fast. And for me, I think that is why I try to create um a lot of memories um when I'm off with my family. Mm-hmm. and um, try to make those, create those memories when we go on vacations and things of that nature. And those are the more difficult times when you're on set for hours and hours on end a day and um, you don't get to spend that time with your family. But those are sacrifices that I know that are that are important to make for me in order to live the life that we need to live. So... As far as difficulty, I guess it's a good difficult in a way, you know? Yeah. Mm. I think it kind of um, definitely forces one to kind of evaluate the work-life balance, doesn't it? Yes, 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 yes. Now, I would love to know if you consider yourself more of an introvert or an extrovert? Well, if you ask my husband, he would tell you I was, <laughs> he would tell you I was an extrovert. He's like, you are just too flamboyant, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but if you ask me, I feel like I'm an introvert unless I know you. And then yeah. I'll come out of my shell and and be an extrovert if I know you. I, you know, so that's the way I think about things. Cause like I was saying, going back to the sponge and, you yeah. know, going back to the observer. I'm I'm a keen observer. I observe so much. And if I'm if I'm in a room full of people, I go into my introvert self. And I'm very introverted when I'm in in a room full of a lot of people. But if I know you and I know the room full of people, I turn into an extrovert. So it's kind of, you know, both ways. Yeah, I think that that I feel a little bit the same actually cuz with <laughs> with with the closest and dearest to me I'm yeah, I'd probably my husband would probably say the same. Um yeah. but then at work or around people I don't know, I you definitely climb into my little shell. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, most watch what's yep. going on. Um mm-hmm. do you think that's helpful in our industry or do you find that that can be a struggle sometimes? I think that it's helpful in our industry in a way because you're learning something at the same time that you're being quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that you have to balance that out because you got to learn when to speak up as well and introduce yeah. yourself to people. And so, yeah, um, I've been in the industry long enough to know when to speak and when not to speak and when to speak up and, you know, introduce and when to just kind of just lay low and calm down. You know what I mean? Yeah. You've been able to find your voice and know when to use it. Yes. 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 And uh, with loving to learn and always learning, what's something exciting that you've learned recently? 
Recently, um, I just learned a new technique as far as how to prep the hair for a wig. Oh, um, yes. When I was in, yeah, when I was in Canada, I learned the German way to prep the hair for a wig, which was very interesting. And then recently, again, within the past week or two, I learned another way to prep the wig. And it's so many, um, so many ways to prep the hair for wigs that I have in my arsenal, but there's always, um, room, you know, to learn new ways and, um, learn how, learning how to prep, uh, the head for a wig. So yeah, that was one of the most recent things that I've learned. That's awesome. I think it, it is beneficial, as you say, to have many in your arsenal because they just, uh, wigs, you know, they need different different yeah. uh, techniques for different looks, for different styles, yes. for different types so of wigs. True. So different hair that you're dealing with underneath. Yes. So it's just yes. um, good to be able to kind of assess and go, oh, I think this wrap is going to be better right. in this yes. situation. Then, So that's cool. Keep on, yes. keep on trucking with learning all the different techniques. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, most definitely. And what kind of project have you not worked on that you would like to? Um, I haven't worked on like projects like, you know, like talk shows and like Ellen show or, or um, what other talk shows like Good Morning America or, you know, like TV talk shows that kind of go on and on for like years and things of that mm-hmm. nature. I would love to do something like that to just, just try it out and see how it is. I've never done that before. I've always done like, you know, movies and television shows, but never like a talk show. Well, that's cool. Do you think um, if you liked it, that's what you'd want to kind of carry on with and stick with? Because I, I know so. some people kind of are in it for the long haul, aren't they? They really yes, stay yes. with it. Yes. And I think that I would love to do something like that because of the security, number one. Mm-hmm. And because I'm on my, you know, like as far, I'm 43 now, so I'm I'm giving myself till 50. So I, you know, cause I want to be financially free by that time and able to kind of move and maneuver how I want, you know, freely. So yeah. that would take me right on into retirement. <laughs> retirement. <laughs> so I would love to do something like that. That would be amazing. <laughs> now tell me, is there, are there any shows like that in Atlanta? I don't think so. The only show that I think that is like that is like, um, <laughs> I know. But the thing is, I'm willing to travel. I don't even, you know, I love to travel. So, yeah. like, if if something was in L.A. that came up, I would just get, get a place there. You know what I mean? But as far as here in Atlanta, I think there's a sports, like, it's a sports, you know, the show where they do the ESPN stuff down mm-hmm. there in Atlanta. So, you know. But yeah, that would be an ideal thing for me because I know it's going to last. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's so many different types of um, productions out there that shoot so differently. And that is one of them. Then there's like yes. the daytime television, kind of like the ongoing soap operas. I hear that they shoot differently as well. And then you've got like your sitcoms. And I think the hair and makeup people only, I could be wrong, guys. I apologize. Um, they work like three days a week so wow that's amazing <laughs> kind of not not all of them I don't think but I think that's yeah. the general gist of it they kind of prep one day and then shoot for two could be wrong. that's amazing um, so yeah there's all these different different types of uh gigs going on with yeah. different hours I'm sure um yes yes yeah, it's, it's so interesting to talk to somebody who would love to work on something 
that's long running mm-hmm. because I am the complete opposite. <laughs> I'm like, you tell me that something's like two or three months and I'm like, amazing. If it gets yeah. to like six or seven months, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I can't be on yeah. something that long. No, 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 yeah, no, no. I've heard, yeah, I, know, I know a lot of my friends think the same way that, that, that does hair on set. They're like, uh-uh, that's too long. I know, it's yeah. so funny. I just, um, I think because I've done the work-life balance thing where like I'll work you know, when I'm working, that is mm-hmm. it. Like I'm yeah. head down, butt up, just in yeah. it. Yeah, right. And then I normally take one to three months off in between jobs. That's amazing. So I have like big chunks of time off Ooh, that's, in between. that's so amazing. Sounds so good. It's hard though because it's, you know, jobs still continue to kind of, come in and yeah. go, hey, do you want to do yeah. this? And I'm like, ah, oh, go away. No, yeah, <laughs> I'm trying yeah, to, I'm trying to have that, a life. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's very true. What do you, you do hair or makeup? What do you do? I'm a hairstylist. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you know what, Jamie, if you need me, honey, I will fly <laughs> wherever, honey, wherever you need, I will fly right to you. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yes. It's awesome. Now, I would like to know from you, what is one of your all-time favorite looks, I guess, styles that you have created? Well, just recently on P-Valley, which was the show that I headed uh, Mm -hmm. for nine months. Oh, uh, (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, that was nine months. Yeah, Congratulations. we did that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that was a lot. But yeah, we did that. And I did a wig for Uncle Clifford, which was an ancestor wig um, because it was it was inspired to me by my ancestors. And mm. that was one of the most profound wigs that I think I've ever made because of the spiritual aspect that was behind how I made the wig. And so you guys are going to see it as, as it unfolds on Pete Valley. But the the magnificent spiritual aspect behind it coming from Africa, you know, speaking of the ancestors coming from Africa, crossing those waters, you know, a lot of people died as they were coming to the Americas. Um, calling, I called it the trail of blood because it was it's a long wig. It, it drapes down to the floor and it flows out. And so there's so much meaning inside of this wig. Um, and I really, really am so thankful that I was able to create that wig. Wow. So explain it to me a little bit more, the, it's, the it's, actual style it, itself. Yeah. Um, it's basically a ponytail wig. It has cornrows in the front and it goes up into a ponytail, but the ponytail drapes all the way down to the floor and then extends out. Like, um, I can't even tell you how many feet it is, but it's a long ponytail to where people had to carry it. Like I had four people carrying this ponytail behind them. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's amazing. And, <laughs> yes. And so the the inspiration behind that came from my ancestors. And I was just thinking about the ancestors coming from Africa, traveling that far to all the way to America and, you know, losing children in the waters and some people jumping overboard and things of that nature. And so I re- it really has a strong, strong ancestral aspect to it. Um, Literally, the people that saw it had chills. Some people would come in the trailer and cry 
looking at this wig and knowing the spiritual aspect behind it. And as soon as I told them, they would get chills. They would run out crying. Um, just, just it, it was an amazing, amazing, amazing time to make that wig. And I'm so thankful that I was able to make it because it had such a strong meaning behind it. It really did. And it really does still to this day. Yeah. And was that something that you shared with the actor wearing it? Like when you were coming up with your design? Yes. I shared it with um, our creator and our showrunner, Katori Hall. And I also Mm. shared it with uncle, you know, uncle, the character, uncle Clifford. And it was just, um, an amazing thing. Katori came up to me and she said, you get it. You get it. She said, you really get it. And so I was so thankful that she was receptive to, um, you know, my creativeness and where I got the creativity from the inspiration from. And I was just grateful that they actually connected to me to, to, you know, connected with my vision as far as that. And of course it was Katori's vision, you know, initially to do a ponytail wig, but I kind of, um, you know, took it over the top basically yeah you expanded on it yes that's awesome it's so I think so rare sometimes to be able to kind of go you know full force like that with an idea so that's exciting yes I'm so thankful that Katori trusted me to be able to create limitless stuff you know what I mean there was no limit on what we could do she would give us the idea and the what she wanted and we would just expand and there was no limit to the expansions you know so I'm thankful for that that's very cool and something that's so um long for a start did it have quite a bit of weight to it as well it was very heavy yes it's it was it was yes it was heavy uh, we had to carry it around in a mesh basket because uh, basically it was that long to where like some of my team would not be with me at the time. So we had to put it in a mesh basket. And so Uncle Clifford would have to like actually carry the basket with him wow. <laughs> everywhere he went. So, yeah, it was it was that. Yeah, it was that good. How How did you make it so it was like reasonably comfortable for the actor um, to wear. Yeah, so the wig the wig itself that was on his head was not weighty. It was the it was kind of like the tail of the mm. wig that was mostly um carrying the weight. But so if that was same, up in the basket or being carried. Yeah, if it was in the basket it the was fine. Off. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Exactly. Yes. And so when you're creating looks like this, um, what are some of your favorite sources of research and inspiration? So my favorite sources of inspiration whenever I'm creating like really avant-garde wigs is um, I will go back in time and and look at some of the styles from, um, you know, the hair shows. A lot of the hair shows back in the day were just absolutely amazing. I haven't been to a hair show in, in a minute, but back in the years when I used to go to the hair shows, oh my goodness. And mm. I'm talking about the black hair shows where you go and you would see just flamboyant wigs, avant-garde wigs, so tall and just over the top and just amazing um, art pieces on these people's heads. And it was just really inspiring for me as I would see these wigs, even as a younger, a younger version of myself. And I just knew I was like, yeah, I'm gonna, that was my area. And I'm 
from the avant-garde world where I started mm-hmm. out in avant-garde. So being able to create avant-garde styles and things of that nature is like second nature to me. That's like the number one thing. That's what gets my blood going. You know what I mean? It's the avant-garde. So I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. With the hair shows, do they have like an archive of all the styles documented somewhere that you can look at? Yeah, you can go, you can go into Google. You can click uh, Detroit. uh, You can click Detroit black hair um, and you can go back in time and probably put a year in, you know what I mean? And those Mm. things will pop up. You can go back to uh, black hair shows. You can type in black hair shows um, in the early nineties and it'll pop up with the amazing hairstyles. Um, so yeah, you can, you can really, you know, do some research about the, the old days of the Detroit back Detroit hairstyles because Detroit alone was like the first, like, I wouldn't say the first, but one of the most important, uh, cities that produced so much black cultural hairstyles and a lot of these hairstyles that are in P-Valley are giving a nod to Detroit as well. That's cool. I love it. Hey, now, if I had you set up in your trailer and you had your station all set up and I took away from you, took away one tool or product, what would you never want to be without? I never want to be without my gel. That was my saving grace. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I know the answer to this. <laughs> I know you're laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. But yeah, I never want to be without my gel ever in life. Like that is my, like if somebody took that away, I, we, we, we would, we, I, that would not be well with them. <laughs> now, um, for those who have never used gel, do you want to explain what it is? Okay. It, it's in hairspray that just, it's the most strongest hairspray on the market. <laughs> the strongest hairspray on the market. It will it will glue your finger together if you if your fingers together if you sprayed it hard enough. But yeah, it, that was one of the the most important uh, pieces of pro- uh, product that we that we had on that set, and it was amazing because it kept a lot of our you know actors' hair intact for long periods of time. To the yeah. point where, you know, if they give last looks, we just went up there and looked and then sat back down, you know, just to make sure. <laughs> Better to last. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's awesome. What about a tool? Is there something um, you always use? Yes. Um, I would say, let's see. I would say my curling iron, like a curling, a good curling iron. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um those are always like keepers, you know, those are, those are very good staples in everybody's kit is a good curling iron. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. And, um, what one person would you like to hear on the podcast? Wow. Um, that's a great question. I would love to hear from someone from Bridgerton. I would love to hear from the hairstylist who did Bridgerton, either the head of hair or somebody that was involved in all of those wigs on Bridgerton because that really inspired me so much just seeing all of those wigs and I was just like man I want to be on that show you know I want to work that you know I want to be on the team or something because it's just (laughs) it was just it reminded me so much of myself and you know the wigs and the building of the wigs it was just amazing so yeah. yeah 
That's awesome. I know that um, I spoke to the hair and makeup designer from the first season. Um, mm-hmm. He has passed away, unfortunately. So, but Are you luckily we have we have that interview forever to listen to. So it's very inspiring and amazing. And then, of course, the second season is a different hair and makeup designer. I'm so sorry to hear that. Wow. Yeah, but you should go back and listen to it because it's really interesting. I will. Yeah, I will. yeah. I would definitely um, do that. I remember when that first season came out and just looking um, on social media and Instagram and looking at the building of those wigs is yeah, very oh, inspiring. It's very yes. cool. Yes. Magnificent. It's just such a there's fun no show words. to watch. <laughs> yeah, there 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 really is no words to describe those wigs, especially for the queen. There there's no words to really describe what they did on that show and just uh, yeah it's speech it leaves you speechless yeah yeah it's pretty cool mark brought together a pretty fantastic team for that yeah show it's very cool and it's so much fun to watch oh my god oh my god (laughs) drama i got got so addicted that first that first uh season oh my god yeah (laughs) it's ridiculous i remember it kept you know how you will go into netflix and the kind of little um teasers kind of play yeah playing and I was like oh my god what is this stupid show I don't want to watch it it looks dumb what is it what is it and started kind of getting annoyed with it and then I was just like I'm just gonna watch it for five minutes and see what it's all about because they're really shoving it down my throat right and I remember my husband was working in the office and he could hear the tv and it was you know like 40 minutes into it and he's like I thought you're just gonna watch it for five minutes I was just like, this is good. Yes. <laughs> it's like everything looks beautiful. There's just yes. like, I want to know what's going to happen next. <laughs> yes, yes, amazing. The whole the whole production is absolutely amazingly done. Yeah, that's very cool, Arlene. I've enjoyed talking to you so much today. You're oh. very inspiring. I love your journey that you're on. You're just seem like such a positive ray of light I love it (laughs) thank you so much (laughs) and I enjoyed talking to you as well I'm so glad that I met you even even if it was over the phone I'm so glad I met you so thank you so much for having me of course thank you calling all hairstylists and makeup artists would you like to have a strong wig knowledge a solid foundation to build your wig styling skills on Would you like to gain the respect of your cast colleagues and employers when it comes to wig work? And feel more confident in knowing how to handle, style, and apply wigs? Well, do we have a treat for you. Introducing Last Looks Workshops. Come down to Beverly Hills and join Jamie Lee and Rob Pickens in the Last Looks Workshops experience. Spaces are limited, so be sure not to dilly-dally. For more details, visit lastlooksworkshops.com. For links to see more about our guests, go to our Instagram at The Last Looks Podcast or our website, thelastlookspodcast.com. If you want to keep up with new episodes being released, be sure to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, or any podcast streaming platform. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, share it. The Last Looks Podcast would like to thank Brett Stanley and Sabrina Castro. The song Fun Time by DJ Quads. Thanks for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap, people.